So the rest of you go to Galatians chapter 2, and we're going to read a few verses today. We're going to dig in, dive in, verses 15 through 21, 15 through 21. So Galatians chapter 2, this is verses 15 through 21. Is everybody ready? Everybody's ready? Not yet? I'm feeling giving generous, so I'll give you some more time. <laughs> Galatians chapter 2. I'm not going without my mother-in-law. I'm just telling you right now. Uh, (laughs) I know better. (laughs) All right, here we go. Paul writes, We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith In Christ and not by works of the law. Because by works of the law, no one will be justified. But if in our own, if, sorry, but if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. Amen to that, right? It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law then Christ died for no purpose. And that's what we're going to read and and break down this morning. I want to pose a question to begin. This is the question. Imagine you were to die right now, and you were to go to the pearly gates, and God stood there waiting for you, and he asked you this question. Why should I allow you in? Why should I allow you in? I'm going to give you a moment or or 20 seconds, 30 seconds to think about how would you answer that question? If you were to pass away right now and you were to walk down the, you know, down the path, down the trail there and God was waiting at the pearly gates and, and you get to him and he asks you the question, why should I allow you in? How would you answer that? If you want to write it down, start, you can start writing it down. If you want to just think about it in your head, I'm going to give you a second to think about it. And then we're going to go from there. So if you were to be asked by God at the gates of heaven, why should I allow you in? 
the dangerous response to that question will begin listing all of the things that you had done. Well, God, I served 12 years as a children's church teacher, or I preached for 15 years, or I led the music, or I sang with the worship team, or I gave $100 a week, or I, I prayed, or I did... What happens is, we're going we're gonna to break down this justification here in just a moment, but if you and I were to answer that question, why should God allow us in based off what we have done, we are in a very dangerous trap. You're in a very dangerous trap, because I want to tell you this, and I'm telling you because I love you, if you base your salvation or your justification on you, you're going to be broken in the end. You will. I will. I cannot preach my way to heaven. I can preach all I want, but if I am not sincerely born again in Christ, I am just a false teacher leading people to hell. If you are not born again in Christ and radically transformed and made new in Him, and you are putting your your salvation in your own perfection or in your own performance of following all the rules then I'm here to tell you that you will be let down. You will be disappointed in the end whenever the Lord tells you to depart from Him for He did not know you. See, there's two ways you can respond to this question. So here's what I want to do to to kind of teach you a little bit more about this term justification or to be justified. It means to be made right. So imagine... You and I were to walk into a room and, and God is sitting on his throne and he is the judge and you and I are stand, you and I, just you individually or I personally are standing six feet away, you know, social distance and, and all that from the devil. And God is the judge, the devil is the prosecutor and we are our own defendant. And God were to ask us the same question. Why should I allow you it to enter? You know, we talked about last week was the evidence of our conversion, the evidence of our salvation. There should be evidence that you are a Christian. If there is no evidence, then you have to question the conversion. Was it sincere or not? And if you and I stand before the Lord and God is questioning us, why should I allow you in? You know the devil's going to do his job of bringing up everything that you've done. You know, he's going to te- remind the Lord as if he doesn't know enough. You know, he... He yelled at his wife, or he, he was impatient with his children, or he, he drank too much, or he, he had too many affairs, or she did this, or she, I mean, he could go on and on and on. I mean, raise your hand if you are a broken, messed up human being. I mean, just, just yeah, you are, so am I. And the devil has plenty of evidence to remind the Lord why I should never be entered into heaven. Why I am undeserving of that eternal life that God offers to people like us. I, I mean, the devil has a very strong argument to put, present to the Lord to keep me sentenced or condemned. So there's two terms we're going to consider for just a moment. One is justification. One is condemnation. So if you and I live the rest of our lives and do not surrender our lives to the Lord Jesus Christ, if we are not servants of His, followers of His, then you and I will be condemned. We will be condemned to our rightful consequence, which is eternal separation from our Father, which is known as death. This is why Paul writes, the wages of sin is death. Not just a physical death to where we breathe our last breath, but an eternal separation because God is full of life, and apart from God is full of death. 
Not no life. So, so to you and I, if we live the rest of our lives and we do not surrender ourselves to the Lord Jesus Christ, we do not put our faith in Him, and let's say we, we do as the Jewish people began to do, put our faith in our rule following, then what will happen is we will be disappointed in the end and we will find that we are, we are actually putting our faith in ourselves and our own perfection and in our obedience to the rules more than the obedience to the ruler. And what will happen is, not only will the devil have a great argument to keep us out, but we will not put our faith in Jesus, we will not surrender ourselves to him, and then what will happen is we will be condemned to our punishment, to our consequence, which is death. Because our sin is a debt against the Lord. It is an offense against the Lord. And if you and I are responsible for paying that, then guess what? You and I will pay that for the rest of eternity in a place known as hell. That will be our punishment, and it will be rightfully sentenced. We will be rightfully condemned. If we do not surrender our hearts to the Lord Christ, and if we are not born again and made new in Him, if we just continue to live in our sin, continue to reject the grace that God gives, if we just continue to walk in worldliness and godliness, given to the desires or the lusts of our flesh, if we do not repent of these things, then you and I have no argument whenever the Lord condemns us or sentences us to eternal separation. Because we have rightfully earned it. So imagine you and I standing before the Lord, and God is the judge here, and, and, and we're on one side, the devil's on the other, and, and God asks the questions, why should I allow you in? Why should I allow you in? You know, and we could begin to give our argument as to, well, Lord, you remember I was 29 years old when I gave my life to you, when I surrendered completely to you. You remember that Sunday afternoon whenever I, I went to church with my family and I went because I felt like I had to go there. You know, it may have been Mother's Day or Father's Day and I went for mom or I went for dad or I went for so on. And, you know, and, and the spirit began to draw me. And you remember that Sunday afternoon when I began to, to just weep in your presence or I began to truly feel the conviction. And you remember, Lord, that Sunday afternoon where I, I completely just asked you to forgive me of my sin. You remember, God, that, you know, three weeks later I met with the preacher and, and we discussed this and I was baptized in the baptistry or at the lake or in the creek or wherever it was. And, and you remember I bought my Bible, my very first Bible, and you can give this argument of where you've been, where you've been. And it would be a great argument. You could say, well, Lord, you know, I used to live in adultery and idolatry and all of these things. And, and now for the last 34 years or 55 years, I have been repenting from those things, leaving those things behind. And my life is completely changed. And all of these things are great. And he would ask you, why should I allow you in? Because if you just change your behavior, if you just change the way you follow the rules... That's one thing. And it's a good thing, because if you're living in adultery, I'm here to tell you, you need to, need to leave it. You need to repent from it. If you're living in idolatry, worshiping anyone or anything other than the Lord, and you might ask, well, what, how do I define an idol? An idol is anyone or anything that you are exhausting more resources, time, and energy in than the Lord and His work. Not that you're going to give more to the church than you pay on your mortgage bill every week or whatever it is. But where is your heart truly affectionate? What is it that you truly exhaust your energy, your time, your resources in? And, and what, how is it that you worship? 
Who is it that you worship? Maybe you could say, well, drunkenness or greed or, or uh, gossip or slandering or a nasty... Do- I mean, we could go on and on and on. All of the things that you and I need to be repenting of and leaving behind. But there we are before the Lord. And it's the evidence provided by the devil. And he's got plenty, plenty of it. And I don't need you to tell me what he's got on you. I know that every single person in this room at one point or another was just as messed up or broken or just as sinful as as your neighbor. Maybe not to the levels of or maybe not to the extremes of, but the reality is we've all been lost. All of us. Some may still be lost, but we've all been there. Now, just imagine as you begin to... It would be this. If your evidence or if your way to answer that question was, well, I gave my heart to you. I surrendered to you as Lord and King. I put my faith and my trust in Jesus. Here's what would happen in that, in that hearing. As you begin to provide your argument, Jesus would burst through the door and he would look at the father and say, he or she is with me. That is what it means to be justified. Because if we are not justified by our faith in Christ, then we have to provide our own argument, give our own evidence, and we are not capable of justifying ourselves. So the word justification is the opposite of the word condemned. So based off your sin, based off my sin, if we live in it and we do not repent of it, we do not call upon the name of Jesus, we're not covered and washed in His blood, then you and I will be rightfully condemned. But through Christ, you and I can be rightfully justified. We can be rightfully justified to where when the Lord looks at you or me, He doesn't see Susie or Stevie anymore or Sally or Jane. He sees Himself. When you and I put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ as the means to salvation, eternal life, you and I are then, as we've discussed, that imputed righteousness of Christ is when God looks at us, He doesn't see all of our flaws and He doesn't see all of our brokenness and all of our cracks. He actually sees Himself. Here's something I want to write if I can find it. Something I want to write. Something I want to read. Something I want to read if I can find it here. It says this, justification means that in Christ, though we are actually sinners, we are not under condemnation. So even though we are actually sinners, we make mistakes, you still make mistakes, you still fall short. But when we are in Christ, it means that we are not under condemnation. God accepts us despite our sin. We are not acceptable to God because we become righteous. We become actually righteous because we are acceptable to God. So what that is telling us is we are only made right with God. We are only justified or the opposite of condemned, made right, where we walk free into His eternity with Him forever and ever by Christ and Christ alone. But what is happening with with Paul is he is addressing a group of people that are adding to the gospel. It's not just faith in Christ for justification. It's circumcision. It's this obedience. It's that work of the law. You've got to only travel this far. And there were 700 or more laws that they were trying to pile back on to Jesus. And Paul is wanting to plead with the people because he understands what is happening if they go back to their old way. If they add to the gospel, they are understand, he's understanding there's two types of people and there's two ways to answer the question, why should I allow you in? There are 
the prideful people, the prideful people, the people that obey all the rules and they boast in their own perfection or their pursuit of it. And here's what happens. Those people will drive you crazy. The people that boast in their own pursuit of perfection. Well, I go to church twice a day, every single week, or I do this, or I pray for four hours a day. Most of the time, they probably lie about some of it. But two, they, they drive you crazy because they make it seem as if they are so holy or they're so righteous on their own that what happens is they become the prideful people and they live in the law. And what happens is they, they want to follow all the rules. And I'm here to tell you, there is nothing wrong with following the rules. You know, the, sometimes you'll get a bad reputation for being called a religious person. There's nothing wrong with being a religious person. A religious person is just one that is committed to a religion. Now, it's wrong when your religion is not Christianity or following Christ. If it's something else, then that is dangerous. But being a religious Christian isn't bad. I mean, praying isn't bad. You know that? Reading God's Word every day isn't a bad thing. So whenever you grow in your faith, you become a religious Christian where you you read the Word daily, you pray daily, you give weekly or monthly, or you serve every month or every week or every year. You do this or you do that. And you develop these religious acts that become part of your faith. Now, the dangerous part is that you become... Whenever you become made new in Christ, you now have a new heart and new desires. And that new heart and those new desires draw you to act in these religious acts. But if you are trying to just play the part and put on the mask and make yourself justified by your own performance, I'm here to tell you that probably 25 years into it, you're going to be exhausted and completely disappointed because you're going to know that your pursuit of perfection will lead you short. Your pursuit of perfection will lead you short. So there are going to be people that stand before the Lord one day and they are going to try to justify themselves by saying, well, Lord, I did this and Lord, I was able to do that. And Lord, I stopped doing that habit and I changed from that habit and I stopped acting like that. And I and it's all about them. It's all about the way that they follow the rules. It's all about how good they can be or how perfect they may be. And those prideful people will boast in their own perfection. They will boast in their pursuit of it and they will try to compare themselves to other people. And here's what happens. Some of those people will try to find people that are much worse than them so that they feel better about themselves so they can boast even more and push other people down even further. So there's two ways we can answer it. We can answer it by the way that the people were trying to manipulate the Galatian churches, the Jews that were coming in and, and trying to you know, discredit Paul and discredit the gospel that Paul was preaching. But I'm here to tell you, if you try to justify yourself, you will live a very prideful life and where you put all of your perfection as your defense, as your evidence, and that will fall short. Or there is the dependent people, the faithful people, the humble people that realize that you and I are nothing without Christ. It's the dependent people that are fully dependent upon Jesus as a means to their salvation. So you and I have one of two ways to respond to the gospel or to this passage of scripture. Paul went on to say, I'm going to read it again. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Who loved you and gave himself for you. 
So you're going to respond one of two ways. You are going to be fully accepting of that grace. Or you are going to ignore it, reject it altogether, or try to perfect yourself to accept or, or be accepted by God. And I'm here to tell you the only way that you and I can be accepted by God is through Christ alone. So what Paul is doing, what I want us to do today is I want us to consider that question. If you and I were to die right now and we were to stand before the Lord at the pearly gates and he were to ask you, why should I let you in? You and I should immediately say, Jesus, that should be our answer. Our answer should be Jesus. Jesus came and he died for me. That's my answer. Jesus rose from the grave for me. That's my answer. Jesus, because of his goodness and his mercy and his love and your spirit drawing me and convicting me and changing me, I am now a new creature. And that is our evidence. That is our way into heaven. That is our way into eternal life is through Jesus. But if you and I ever think for our, for a second that we can work our way there or we can pay our way there or we can earn God's favor in and of ourselves, we will constantly be disappointed. And we will constantly try to compare ourselves and justify ourselves to the Lord because other people are worse than we are. And God is wanting us to, to truly depend upon Him. Paul is pleading with these people because he realizes that over time the Jewish people have become so perfectionist in their own ways that it is drawing them further and further away from him. And if these people can wiggle their way in, or if the devil can manipulate you to believe that you are good enough, or that you are working hard enough and God loves you because you are just you, then I am here to tell you, you will be disappointed in the end. So I just want to plead with you today to answer the question, why should God allow you in? Why should he allow you in? Why should you be allowed in to the eternal life that only God can give? And maybe, maybe you're at the point in life where you're Maybe you're at the point in life to where you've been following Jesus for the long, for the long haul. You've been following Him. You've been following Him. You've been following. And your faith is truly rooted and founded upon Him. And you've been serving Him and you've been reading and studying His Word. You've been growing in your faith. You've been following and you've been serving and you've been sharing and you've been helping and you've been the hands and the feet. Your evidence is still the same as someone that just converted to Christ. It's Christ. Or maybe you're to the point in life and, and, and you've tried putting on the mask or playing the part. You've tried changing your habits to look a certain way. You've, you've tried leaving certain things behind or just, you know, minimizing certain things so that you can make yourself look a particular way. And I'm here to tell you that if you are trying to just change your way into heaven, you will be immediately cast out. If you're trying to change your habits away or if you're trying to make yourself look better, I'm here to tell you that your neighbor may not see the real you. Your, your neighbor may not see the lack of faith in Christ. But the Lord sees exactly who you are, exactly who I am. So the question is, why should you be allowed in? Why should God allow 
you in? Why should God allow me in? Right now, why would God allow you in? Here's what I want to to plead with you, is that if you have not surrendered your heart to Christ, you may just find that question earlier than you would ever imagine. Because if there's one thing that we can all understand, the older that we get, the longer that we live, the less life is promised to us. There are none of us that are beyond anyone else as far as, well, God is going to ensure that I have 90 years and every opportunity to respond to His grace. You and I are all going to be in the same boat when it comes to our life expectancy having a dot, dot, dot. You and I do not understand. We do not understand or or know just how many tomorrows we may have. So here's what I want you to do. Is there anybody that's just a tomorrow-hearted person? When are you starting your diet? Tomorrow. When are you going to stop spending money? Tomorrow. When are you going to start paying off more debt? Tomorrow. When are you going to change the... When are you going to replace the light bulb? Tomorrow. When are you going to do this? When are you going to do that? When are you going to... And if we aren't careful, we will be tomorrow-rooted people to where we want to put everything off to Tomorrow. And this message, I want, I want to end with going towards people who have been putting it off for until tomorrow. The Lord has been drawing you to Him. He's been drawing you to this true, sincere moment of repentance to where you truly just lay yourself out before Him and ask Him to forgive you of all of your wrongdoing and ask Him to forgive you. Ask Him to make you new. You've been putting it off for tomorrow. And what you've been doing is as the longer you put off, the more perfection that you pursue. And the longer that you put it off, the more perfection you pursue, the more perfection you may actually perform in and you may actually become really good at following the rules and really good at at portraying yourself to be something that you're really not. And then what happens is pride creeps in and the more prideful that you become, the less likely you need or the less you need to depend on God. And and here's, here's how you can tell if you're that prideful person. Every time you think about, boy, I need to pray more, it's when the preacher preaches on prayer. You know, every time that you think, oh, wait, maybe I should fast or maybe I should pray more. It's only a thought in your head because the preacher preached on it that particular morning. Because for weeks now or for months now, you've been just doing it on your own and you've just been you been doing everything. You've been grinding every day. You've been working hard. I mean, who needs God? I got it figured out. I'm following the rules and I'm getting better at it. My kids are getting better. Life's getting better. Marriage is getting better. Or maybe, maybe your, your only thought to serve, your only thought to be sacrificial, your only thought to be generous is when the preacher preaches on it. Because if we aren't careful, we will pursue perfection to a point that we no longer need God. And I'm here to tell you, the longer you live and the less you need God, the more you're going to be on your knees pleading with God that moment you stand before Him. You are going to be pleading with him, trying to justify why you push it off until tomorrow. Ah, I was going to do it, Lord, but I just had so much going on. Uh, I was going to do it tomorrow. Well, unfortunately, when you stand before him, there is no more 
tomorrows. There is forever. In one way or another. In his presence or completely apart. So I want to end this message with you asking yourself the question one more time. If I were to stand before God, why should I be allowed in? And if you are not born again in Christ, I am pleading with you to stop pushing off until tomorrow. I am just pleading with you to consider the fact that you and I are all going to be before him, you and I are all going to die. You and I are all going to be in that place to where we are either going to be considered justified or we're going to be condemned. We are either going to be justified in Christ or we're going to be condemned in our own works, our own sin, and we're going to be rightfully sentenced to eternal separation from him. That's it. And, and I want you to know this. There's the prideful people. There are the dependent people. The more and more you depend upon the Lord, the more and more that you receive from Him, and the more and more that you want of Him. Listen, I don't just read the Bible because i got to preach it on Sunday. I read it because, man, I am in love with it. I love it. I love it. You know, there's something new on every page. And there's stuff that I won't know for five years. There's going to be some things that I question for 19 years. And for 26 years, I'm going to finally learn what it is. God's going to illuminate His Word for me. And it might be three years. It might be 33 years. But there's just so much of it that I can receive. You know, God's mercy and His grace, we, we think that it's just for a, uh, for a time where we say that prayer, where we're baptized, and, and then that's it. You know, we're, we're good. Everything's good. There's no more mercy and grace. I'm here to tell you that the more that you depend on the Lord, the more that you receive of Him, the more and more that He can lavish upon you i don't just stop participating in certain things that i used to participate in because i have to play the part of being a preacher and stand before you no no i am in love with so i am such in love with the lord that being made new in him has given me new desires to where now i desire new habits i have new interests i have new hobbies and i am just different you are just different you know i'll tell you one of my favorite things in my daily life is for my kids to go to bed. All the parents said, amen. <laughs> yes. I love getting the girls to sleep. You know, and it's to the point some days where I go into the room, you know, it's like, okay, got my gloves on, let's go. And some days I'm just so irritable and I'm just telling the girls, shut your mouths, close your eyes, don't blink, don't think, don't breathe, go to sleep <laughs> right now. Right now, in the name of Jesus, are you going to go, you know? <laughs> and, um, but you know, my favorite part, as I get them to bed, you know, and I close the door quietly, and Michaela's in the kitchen, are we good? <laughs> Do you need backup? Um, my favorite thing is whenever my daughters, my oldest two, when I get them to sleep, they ask, Daddy, will you tell us about Moses? Well, Yeah. Let's talk about Moses. Daddy, will you tell us about Jesus? You, you know, that is my favorite part of getting them to bed. Because they don't just ask and I don't just tell them because, well, I gotta play the part on Sunday. I gotta, I gotta, I am, I've just been radically transformed. And, and some of you have been there. You're there that whenever someone asks you to tell them about the Lord, you just can't stop. And there's some nights where, where I'll tell them a story about Adam and Eve and, you know, then they'll ask me, so do we not eat fruit? No, 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 no. You can eat fruit. You can have it. You can eat the apples and the oranges. So, so what, what does that mean? Dad? 
But they would just ask questions and they'll ask me, can you tell us about Moses? Can you tell us about Noah? Can you tell us about Adam and Eve? Can you tell us about the blind man? And it is just the most beautiful thing because we just get to talk more and more about God. And the more and more that you talk about God, the more and more that you worship God, the more and more that you serve God, the more and more that you seek the Lord, the more and more that He will radically transform you to where you will rest assured in the justification of the Lord to where you will not have to present an argument argument at all. It'll be like the Lord asks you, why should I allow you in? And the and the devil's running his mouth doing his nasty little thing and boom, Jesus comes in and says, nope, that one, it's on me. That girl right there, she's on me. That man right there, I died for and they put their faith in me. So the question is, why should you be allowed in? And if you answer it any other way than Jesus, we are wrong. We are wrong. So I want to end church now before I get too excited <laughs> because I could tell you about Jesus forever and ever and ever I could talk about the Lord forever and ever some of you I could put you to sleep talking about him. I, I could keep you up talking about him that's what I want for you I want you to find yourself truly submissive to him truly repentive of your old ways truly born again and this is my plea my plea to end this service is this. If you have not found yourself made new in Christ, surrendered yourself to the Lord, and you've just been trying to play the part or make yourself look good, stop wasting your time. Because tomorrow may not come. Let's pray.